Welcome to another gospel message from St. Luke's Anglican Church, Clovelly. Now, our vision as a church that we believe God has laid on our hearts is about new life in Christ for our whole community. Um, We long for this new life that's found in Jesus that we've experienced to overflow to our whole community. That's our prayer. Now, one of the fascinating things is um, we live in a a more secular, sceptical society. And in a 2017 survey in Australia, the number one attractor of people to kind of um, those who might not be warm to Christian things to consider Christian things, right, was seeing people live out a genuine faith, right? Seeing people live out a genuine faith. Now, the same survey said the number one repellent that sounds like insect repellent, um, but that's how the survey put it, um, was hearing public figures and celebrities of that faith, which is fascinating, right? Um, it's like we don't want the celebrities paraded. It's seeing ordinary Christians living out Christianity in everyday life that warms people to consider Jesus. Now, this month we're celebrating 10 years in this kind of chapter of our long uh, life together as a church, and we're doing it celebrating under this Roman numeral X, which I'm spinning off for three themes about the cross. Okay, last week we thought about the cross of Jesus Christ and how central that is to our life and our vision. And today, if you'll excuse, this might be a slightly tenuous link, but we're doing how the gospel crosses over to all of life. You got that? Um, Because what we want to do and be is a church that has a genuine faith that is lived out in every area of life. That's kind of crucial to kind of who we are and who we pray we'll be. Um, To put it another way, um, a life of integrity. Now, I take it most of us want to live a life of integrity. I actually think most, uh, most people kind of long to live a life of integrity. What is that? A life of integrity is an integrated life, right? You're not one thing on Sunday and another thing on Monday. You're not nice at church and nasty at home. You're not, it's not just that your faith is something in private, it's who you are in public because it is who you are. And uh, it's interesting, the sociologist Rodney Stark writes that actually the gospel message of Jesus being lived out was very significant in the growth of the early church. Okay, so I've got a quote here, Um, so it's talking about those first couple of centuries, and uh, and he writes, Christianity served as a revitalisation movement that arose in response to the misery, chaos, fear and brutality of life in the urban Greco-Roman world. To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers as well as strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. Christianity also greatly modulated class differences more than rhetoric was involved when slave and noble greeted one another as brothers in Christ. Now, big quote, main point, um, the gospel of Jesus genuinely changed the early church in a way that was seen and widespread and multifaceted, and it changed the world. 
Um, the gospel of Jesus was crossing over to all of life, not just in private. It was integrated. And that's the heart of our vision. Um, because actually, we, we, we believe from the scriptures, it's the heart of God's vision. And it's the very nature of the gospel. It, it's life-changing. And so today's going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do is um, we're going to look at just three little snapshots from the, this letter of 1 Corinthians to see how the gospel of Jesus kind of crosses over to, to all of life, um, to some very 21st century issues, actually. Um, and the first one is, the gospel of Jesus transforms the very way we see ourself. Okay? It transforms the way we see ourself. And so, therefore, how we see others as well. Now, the background of 1 Corinthians is um, this church had been started by the Apostle Paul, um, and then some other leaders had come in, uh, kind of phase two, like Apollos or Cephas, you might have read, which is another name for Peter, the Apostle Peter. And then after that, the church had gone tribal. Um, There were just kind of little different parties with their favourite leader, and I'm a Paul person, I'm an Apollos person, and they were cheering on their favourite leaders, they were at each other, um, they were denigrating others. And maybe you can imagine how that could happen in some churches today. Um, The long-termers versus those new arrival punks. Uh, The night 15ers versus the 4pm church, etc., etc. You can imagine, right? And it's interesting, though, the Bible diagnoses that the, the sin underneath the sin of the division and the party politics, well, actually, you work it out. Let's have a look. Chapter 3, verse 21. 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 21. I'm on page 953 if you've got one of these blue Bibles. Uh, The Apostle writes, So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. The sin underneath the sin of tribalism is pride and boasting. Um, did you notice that? Um, he says it again in verse 6, which I didn't read then, but where he says, don't be puffed up in favour of one against another. That is, um, what's going on that's underneath is pride. Now, this is fascinating because our modern culture um, tells us that your biggest problem is low self-esteem. And if we could all just kind of you know, boost the ego a bit, we'd all go better. But here the Bible's saying that actually pride is the problem underneath the conflict and the competitiveness, that pride is the reason why there is no peace in the world. Now, um, so often, uh, I'm, I see what goes on? Like, I'm desperately trying to bolster my self-image by doing it in comparison to others. Um, C.S. Lewis said um, that pride takes no pleasure in the thing itself, but only in having more than the next person. Did, did you hear that? Um, Here's the quote um, that's on the screen. He says, If everyone became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there'd be nothing to be proud about. Um, Pride doesn't take pleasure in the thing, just in having more than others. And so our proud, fragile human egos make us competitors with others. 
And what's so liberating in this chapter is that Paul's identity and his self-worth is no longer tied to what other people think. Um, did you notice that? He says, um, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, look, I do have a job to do. Um, I'm a minister in God's church. I'm here to serve you. But you know what? I'm not worried about what you think. I'm not driven by what people think. Now, most counsellors, if you go and see a counsellor, most counsellors would agree you shouldn't worry about what pe- other people think about you. Okay? You want to be free from that. Um, but what they'll tell you... Um, it's that most counsellors say, well, you know, don't live by other people's standards. Don't worry about society's standards. Don't worry about the standards of your parents. Just live by your own standards. And the first bit's good advice, actually. Like, if you do build your kind of sense of identity on the standards of your parents or society, you'll be crushed when you realise that you don't live up to it. But the normal solution's a dead end, right? Because if you decide, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to build my identity on the fact that I keep my own standards. What happens then? What happens when you realise that actually you, you don't even live up to your own standards? <laughs> Let alone God's, actually. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're someone who set your standards so low that you do always live up to them, but that probably isn't going to make you feel great about yourself either. <laughs> And somehow, um, Paul's identity isn't built on what anyone thinks, not even actually what he thinks about himself. Because he says, the only verdict that counts is the Lord's verdict. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that in Jesus Christ, the Lord's verdict is already in. That we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And yes, you and I, whether you're Christian or not, will still give an account of our lives But the final verdict at the final judgment is already in. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says, this verse is on the screen. It says, Christ Jesus is our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Right? Um, Jesus is our righteousness. That means I don't have to bolster my own self-righteousness by kind of comparing myself to others. Because Jesus is my righteousness. And just when I deserve to be condemned, because I haven't lived up to my own standards and I haven't lived up to God's standards, Christ was condemned. So that by trusting him, we are accepted already now. So um, how do you get an identity that is so secure that you can rejoice in the success of other people? Because that, that's a beautiful moment, isn't it? When you can rejoice in the success of other people, it's actually pretty easy to rejoice in the failure of others, to rejoice in the success of others, to get that kind of identity. Answer, when you are so secure, not in what others think of you or what you think of you, but what God thinks of you. You're his child as a gift of grace in Jesus. Okay, so um, there's one example. The gospel of Jesus changes just the, the very way we see ourselves. Well, what else could we say? The gospel of Jesus transforms how we see singleness and marriage, even sex. Now, um, we'll get to this in a moment, chapter 7, but um, in traditional cultures, you're kind of meant to marry, right, for the sake of the family or for the sake of the name and honour. In our individual Western culture, um, you might choose to marry if you find someone who's going to fulfil you and love you. Or maybe you decide to stay single so that you don't have to give up your freedom and career to be bound by marriage and all those restrictions. 
But it's fascinating, here in 1 Corinthians, you start to see how the message of Jesus, the gospel, crosses over to singleness and marriage. So come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 now. I told you this talk's a little bit different. We're just doing a couple of little snapshots. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm going to read a couple of verses from verse 32. So 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. And Paul writes this uh, first century church, I, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, there's times our culture values singleness because it frees you to do more of what you want. And maybe if that kind of Hollywood cliche of marriage and kids hasn't happened for you, then you know what the world says? Well, you go travel the world and fulfill your dreams. But what does a life shaped by the gospel say? Well, it says that you were created and you were redeemed so that you could be free to do what God wants. And that your freedom is to give your undivided devotion to the Lord and to his church and to his kingdom. And then to those married, um, 1 Corinthians 7 says, um, you're, you're to marry not to please your family, not to please yourself, but so that you'll be committed to a life of pleasing your wife or husband, a life that is about giving, not getting, in life, in love, and even in sex. In fact, one of the Bible commentators, and um, these guys are kind of dry sometimes, right? But um, F.F. Bruce writes um, about verse 3 and 4. You can go home and read it later, but... Um, he says, this, uh, these verses, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4, communicate negatively the husband's obligation to refrain from engaging in sexual relations with anyone other than his wife and positively his obligation to fulfil his marital duty to provide her with sexual pleasure and satisfaction. That's in the Bible, just in case you missed this bit, okay? Now, in our culture, sex is about what you, like, what you can get. Or maybe how you perform, which are both about you, aren't they? And here the Bible's saying even sex is meant to be about self-giving, not gratification. In fact, actually sex is this all-of-life commitment mechanism that by being physically naked and vulnerable, you're also giving up your economic and social and legal independence. But in our culture, why would anyone think about doing something crazy like that? Answer, because that's what the gospel's about. Because in the gospel, um, we've given up our independence. Actually, um, the, the verse that headlines this whole section is right at the end of chapter 6. Um, come back to that. Um, did I put this one on the screen? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. There we go. Even easier. Um, so this is the headline that goes into all that stuff about singleness and marriage. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You and I are not our own. I mean, we never were because we've sold ourselves to everything else other than the God who made us. But 
This is saying something more. It's saying we're not our own because we were bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not our own because he bought us with his own, his blood. And so we're not trying to hold on to our independence because we've already given that up because Jesus gave up everything for us. So there's another example and one more. The gospel of Jesus crosses over to all of life and self, singleness, marriage, sex, and then money as well. And this comes right at the end of 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 16. You can uh, turn over there, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. And basically Paul's inviting these Christians to give their money away to poor people they've never met. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and to store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Now, there was some sort of famine going on in the middle of the first century, and Paul's invited, uh, he's inviting these Christians in the Greek city of Corinth to donate money to the excuse me, Jewish Christians suffering in Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting, actually, is um, in a later letter that we call 2 Corinthians, Paul has to give them a bit of a nudge. Um, now, there's something encouraging about that, right? Because um, clearly, uh, these Christians were a bit slow living out this aspect of the gospel. Um, they were a bit, maybe a bit selfish. Uh, maybe they were struggling to let the gospel change all of their life. But even then, when he comes and writes this second letter, he doesn't command them. He doesn't lecture them. He gospels them. And many of you will know this um, famous verse from 2, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I've put this one on the screen. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, what could move me to, to part with my hard-earned cash? Especially if it's going to cost me. Answer, knowing that Jesus gave up the riches of heaven for a blood-stained cross so that we could be rich forever. See, the gospel of Jesus, it crosses over to all of life. The very way we see ourselves, the way we think about singleness or marriage and sex, the way we think about our money, it changes everything. Now, let me try and kind of wind this up, okay? The gospel of Jesus isn't everything the Bible says, okay? The gospel of Jesus isn't everything the Bible says. It's the message at the heart of what the Bible says. The gospel of Jesus is the good news, not good advice, right? And the religions of the world and secularism in its own way is full of good advice, that if you do this, if you follow this approach, if you do these principles, if you keep these rules and avoid those ones and you can perform, then you'll be successful or find kind of salvation, whatever that looks like for you. But the gospel of Jesus is the good news that of what Jesus has done to save us because we could never save ourselves. And that message of what Jesus has done already as a gift that we don't deserve, that changes everything. And as we celebrate 10 years under this X and we look ahead, um, our vision 
is for the gospel of Jesus to cross over into every part of every life. Self and singleness, marriage and money, disappointment and depression, work and worry. And the thing is, if we don't work out how the gospel of Jesus actually changes all of life, then you won't know how to live it out. And you won't be able to live a genuine life before those who watch on with sceptical eyes. Um, and we will, if, if we don't work this one out, we will be one thing at home and another thing at work. One thing on Sundays and another thing on Mondays. We've got to work this out together. Actually, um, this is one of the reasons that we do some of our industry events, because we're trying to, trying to kind of sift through how does the gospel of Jesus even change the way we work. And actually, um, we had a few events, and our last industry event for this year is on Monday week, the 23rd of September. Um, and uh, we've got this uh, fantastic um, guest speaker, Bridge, from the fashion label Beckham Bridge, and she's coming uh, to share with us. A mum, a Christian, a woman in business, a fashion entrepreneur, and uh, if you're um, interested in that story, whether you're not a creative or not, um, come along and you can RSVP on the hub. But we're doing that because the gospel of Jesus is meant to cross over into every part of our lives. Now, I've given you a couple of kind of Bible examples. I just want to finish with a couple of real life examples. The gospel of Jesus crossing over into all of life, this is about the person in our church, and this is actually a few people I've put together, who lost their job. And life didn't go to script. But the gospel of Jesus has enabled those people to cope with disappointment in a way they would never have been able to cope otherwise. And to find an identity that's not built on performance and success, but on Jesus. Um, The gospel crossing over into all of life, this is about some of the... um, the very impressive, professional, successful women of Clomar, some of whom have uh, Clomar's um, playgroup that we run on two days, and um, trying to love and serve and bless um, mums in our community in that kind of stage with young kids. But you know, some of those women on the team have given up the opportunity to do more work, and get more money, and get some of the more kudos that often comes through professional life, rather than being at home wiping bottoms. Some of them have rearranged their work days and in ways that are massively inconvenient and expensive, actually, um, so that they can be part of this group that shows the love of Jesus to um, mums in our community. Now, why do they do that? Well, because they want women in our community to hear about Jesus in a way that's kind of lived out and practical and loving and makes sense so that they can make their own decisions. But how is it possible to kind of sacrifice those things that the world takes so seriously? Because the gospel's changed them. Because the sacrifice of Jesus has won them. And for one last example, friends, um, this is me, actually. Because 10 years, over the last 10 years, you know what? There's also been a whole lot of disappointments and failures and things we've tried that have, you know, blown up. (laughs) And there's actually days that I could have given up. I felt like it. I would have given up, actually, if in the end it was about proving me and proving myself. But the gospel of Jesus assures me Actually, deep down, I don't have anything to prove. Because Jesus has done everything. 
already so that I'm accepted by God, forgiven, secure, eternity is taken care of, I'm his child, and I have nothing to worry about ultimately. You know, our secular world says, um, you know what, you, guys, you Christians can have Jesus, that's fine, just, just don't let it kind of change the rest of your life. Our only hope, friends, is if the gospel of Jesus changes the rest of our life. <laughs> and the good news is the gospel of Jesus is so powerful, it does, over time, cross over to all of our life. Now, our vision is to see new life in Christ for our whole community. And here's where we finish, guys. Let's just be honest. It's not just our city that needs Jesus. It's not just our community that needs Jesus. It's you that needs Jesus. And it's me that needs Jesus. In fact, you need Jesus more than you have ever needed Jesus before. And I need Jesus more than I've ever needed Jesus before. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information about St. Luke's Anglican Church, please visit www.clovelly.org.au.